is good, everybody, man? This is your guy, Manny, and this is the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. Back again for the second day in a row for the Back Row Commander Show. I got a special guest for you guys today. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Big Doug in the building, man. Appreciate you hopping on super last minute. But, man, with our schedules, it's been tough to get you on, man. It's been tough to get you on. Um, I got like a few minutes before I go pick up my kids. So I said, you know what? Why not go ahead and talk about some more Commanders football today, being that a lot has happened. So on today's show, we'll be discussing Sam Mills being fired. We'll be talking about um, the new promotion. We'll be talking about Warren Sapp, Ryan Kerrigan, potentially coaching. We'll be talking about the home jersey schedule, the first unofficial depth chart as well as Jahan Dotson. I heard some news that he's possibly the best receiver on the team, according to Kevin Shaheen. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, a fun fact about Terry McLaurin. But, Doug, man, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show, brother. I'm doing great, man. It's football time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to see something on the field soon. Yes, sir. So before we get started, how can the people find you? Uh, it's, I, think it's, I think I've got it all at Big Douglas Show now. Okay. Good deal. And good it deal. was at Big Doug Show some places, at the Big Douglas Show some places. I think it's at Big Douglas Show everywhere now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, we got Dave Rob in the building, man. Appreciate you hopping on this stream. Appreciate you hopping on this episode. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and talk about Sam Mills. So Sam Mills is fired. You know, last year, and even the year before, okay, the year before last year, they were better. But the defensive line, especially those first six games when the defense was just so bad, our defense is predicated on the defensive line, right? Which is why we don't have premier linebackers. We don't have – we have some top-paid corners, but not top-of-the-line corners in the league. Um, So with – the defensive line, right? You invested four first rounders, right? This might be the possibly the last year that you have all four first rounders there. Ron Rivera wants to maximize this group and get the best that he can get out of this group. And do not be surprised if Deron Payne is re-signed. Everybody's saying, oh, Deron Payne is gone or this, that. Maybe there's a scenario where maybe it's Cole Holcomb is, that is gone. Maybe it's Cameron Curl that's gone. So what is your thoughts on Sam Mills being fired in what does it actually mean for the Washington Commanders? Manny, it's the oddest timing I can ever remember for a position coach getting fired, right? Like, what did he do in the first two weeks of training camp that were so egregious that made the head coach change his mind and go in a different direction? Right. And it's not Warren Sapp, who swore he was going home to do more fishing. <laughs> I don't think it's Ryan Kerrigan, who has zero fortune. Right. Or he was going home to do uh he he had to do something i think i saw and I, and I hate to even throw this out there but i think i saw right before we jumped on that maybe there's an hr thing coming down the, the works that we haven't seen mm. yet um but I, I i mean i don't know but i again I, I don't think i've ever seen it this early right uh so even if there were problems would have felt like those problems would have already been there right Right, like those right, problems right. did not start today. They didn't start last week. I will say this. I don't think that the Ionitis issue and the subtle issue, I've seen people say that. I don't think that's this Mills deal. I, I think that was more about 
personality and scheme fit across the board, not just with Mills. Okay. I mean, I like that. See, I, that's why you're on. You have more insight. Um, I've been totally unplugged. This is actually my second show in the last 90 days. And I've done two shows in the last 24 hours. So I've been unplugged. I'm, you know, I'm looking at things here and there. I don't really dig in too deep as of right now. But now that football is coming back, I am a content creator. It's like, hey, Manny, you better start creating content. You know, you got a decent following. You know, they're like, hey, where's Manny at? So Manny's back. Manny will will be producing more content. But I can't do it like Big Doug. Big Doug comes on and does like what three shows a day, three on Mondays, Tuesdays, four on Wednesdays. Yeah, Doug is the man. <laughs> three a week. Hey. <laughs> I'm trying to get like you, man. So uh, with Samuels being fired, um, the, like you said, the timing was definitely odd. Timing was weird. I don't really understand it, especially being that the first preseason game is this week. Then you fire this guy. So we're going to find out really what's going on with HR and, and all of that. But I also think that the team wants to maximize this D-line. Everybody's talking about Roquan Smith. Let's go ahead and talk about Roquan Smith for a minute, right? People don't understand what you have to give up to bring in an all-pro like Roquan Smith, a guy who's coming off of, what, 160-plus uh, tackles this year, an awesome, awesome middle linebacker. In order to get him, I was listening to, to another content creator. They said, you have to give up a first-round pick just to bring in Roquan Smith. He's, he's, I mean, he's what, 25? You know, he's an all-pro. It's not like, oh, it's just, oh, just any old body. He's going to be expensive. So maybe I don't see any team that, like realistically giving up a first-round pick unless you're a team like the Patriots, the Packers, you know, one of those kinds of teams, which I even then I still don't see that being done. So I'm thinking he's going to cost at least maybe a second round and then another pick, maybe a, a fourth or maybe two seconds. He's going to be expensive. Not only that, when you trade for Roquan Smith, then guess what? You got to extend him. Almost immediately. Take so, the highest paid linebacker in the league, probably. Exactly. That's that. That is what he's seeking. That's what he's seeking. The the deal that I heard from the Chicago Bears was so backloaded and it was so disrespectful that he does not trust that front office anymore. So when he's coming here or wherever he's going, he's going to be the highest paid linebacker. You're talking about twenty plus million or more. We're not talking about an edge. We're not talking about a quarterback. We're talking about a linebacker. Now that the guard money is going up, now you see the linebacker money going up. You're seeing all these positions that, that you can draft in the second, third, fourth, fifth round. Granted, some of them become all pros. I'm not saying it's easy to get an all pro. But what I'm saying is if you trade draft capital for this guy, right, we don't have a third. It's being held hostage right now, which can turn into a second <laughs> based off of if Carson Wentz plays, plays well. So with all that being said, if you trade for this guy, not only that, then you got to pay him. So here is the ramifications of paying a Roquan Smith. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you pay Roquan Smith, goodbye Deron Payne for sure. He's already on, on his way out, right? So goodbye Deron Payne. That also means goodbye Montez Sweat. Potentially. Then we're not even talking about the Cole Holcombs of the world and the Cam Crows of the world that need to get paid that are like the you know second-tier type guys to get paid. You're saying goodbye Deron Payne for sure. Then you're saying goodbye, Montez Sweat. Goodbye, Cole Holcomb. Goodbye, potentially, Cameron Curl. Is all this worth it? Granted, there's some things that you can do. Maybe you cut uh, a guy like Curtis Samuel. You cut a guy like Kendall Fuller. But then 
you're creating more holes. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? Like, so, so yeah, when you bring in these superstar caliber type guys, whether it's the uh, uh, free agency or whatever, you got to pay. So, what is your take on Roquan Smith? Well, yeah, most people that follow me know that there are two things I love, the Commanders and the Georgia Bulldogs. So, so I know Roquan Smith very well. Uh, he's a blue chip player. Uh-huh. We have very few of what I consider blue chip players. So what if I said to you, Deron Payne and a third this year and a third next year? Okay. And then you pay him $20 million. I don't see any way possible that they were going to keep Deron Payne. Right. I, I, I just right. – And that's why – pay that's him fine. less than Jonathan Allen at, at 18. Right. Because he's not going to line up next to his buddy and make less money. It's just That's just not going to happen. But I don't think you can pay both of them $18 million. Right. So if here's when Fletcher came, he was running a four, three and a half, four, four, forty. I think people forget that. What happens with Roquan is even if you don't use him at middle linebacker, he can essentially be whatever that Buffalo nickel is. Right. We haven't had, you know, they said they signed the new guy that nobody's ever heard of because he's a, a C and Chase linebacker. Right. We haven't had one. Is that a Nate Nate Gary? Sure. See, yeah, I've heard from from some Eagle fans. If you listen to the last pod, they said that the guy is terrible. So I don't know. I'm more of a let me see what happens on the field because there are some guys that we've brought in that other teams didn't want, and then they come in here and then they flourish. But my question for you you is: What if you send them Jamin Davis and a pick or two? That's, I mean, that's, I mean, because look, if you're bringing in Roquan Smith, right? You're yeah, that's it. Jamin, I'm sorry. It was that's a wasted pick. So I've seen where somebody said, Hey, go ahead and trade Jamin Davis and Deron Payne. And then a pick. That's probably I mean, that's possibly what it's gonna take. It's gonna take Deron Payne, which we're not gonna keep anyways. The Bears can pay him something nice that he's gonna like. We bring this guy over here, we pay him 20 million. But the thing is, I'm not concerned about the 20 million. It's are we gonna have enough money to pay sweat? You see what I'm saying? Somebody said, well, if Cole Holcomb walks, he walks. That's fine. If we're, if you're getting the Rokon Smith and Cole Holcomb is walking, that's totally fine. But my whole thing is, do we have enough to keep Montez Sweat? Because at the end of the day, you got to keep that defensive line together for the most part. You can plug in some guys here and there, but you need a, you need a star defensive tackle, which we have. Then you need a star edge and Chase Young, which we know what he can become. Montez Sweat is just as good. I mean, Sweat has been very, very productive. He's very good. And then to like to find these guys in the draft, it's not easy. It is not easy. Sure. We stumbled on Jonathan Allen. Wow. Everybody wanted Vita Vea. And we get Jonathan Allen. And Jonathan Allen has been the better player, depending on how you look at it. Vita Vea, is, he's, he's a good player, but he's no Jonathan Allen. Vita, hey. just real, real quick, Vita Vea was the draw in pain draft. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Well, same, same. Vita Vail went one pick before Payne, if I recall correctly. Well, there we but go. The two of them will always be compared together. Reminds me of what's his name? The draft. I really like Deron Payne. I really like Deron Payne, but it's just one of those things where you can't keep everybody. I, I remember even I even said keep Deron Payne and don't pay Jonathan Allen. And Jonathan Allen said, "Shut up, Manny," and went and put up on a, a almost all pro season last year. And I'm like, wow, yes. you know, so. A lot of times, us fans, we don't know what we don't know, and that's why 
The proof is in the pudding. I like to see the results out on the field. So yeah, if we get Roquan, we get him. But I'm not gonna hold my breath. Is he? It's not. Um, I don't. No, yeah. Every time, yeah, every time a good player becomes available, get Odell Beckham, get Antonio. I mean, we're fans. We're thirsty. We're hungry. If you do bring him in, then guess what? You are in a Super Bowl window right now. There's, there's no wasting time because that's another former first rounder. Whether you're giving up Jamie Davis or not, I mean, you're you're in win mode now. And you got to maximize everything that you have within these next two to three years to win the Super Bowl. Manny, I suggest they are in win mode now. They are. They are. Because you don't draft a rookie quarterback. You bring in a guy like Carson Wentz. You're saying, hey, we want to win some games. We're tired of going seven wins every single year. (laughs) Not to switch subjects, but that also doesn't mean Ron Rivera is on a hot seat. I see that all the time. No chance. I'd suggest there's a better chance Ron goes to the front office than gets fired. Yeah, I I agree. This year. I agree. They love the guy. I mean, he's done some great things these last two years. It's been more fun being a fan these last two years than it has yeah. been for the last 20 some years that I've been a fan. So let's go ahead and transition a little bit. So Samuels gets fired. The new guy gets promoted. I don't even know his name. And to be honest, at this moment, I really honestly don't care. I want to see some results on the field. But two names that I do see notable is Warren Sapp has spent a lot of time with the commanders at training camp and just being around. He just loves his defensive line. He raves about them. On paper, the commanders have arguably the best defensive line in the league. Now, that does not mean that, that they produce as the best defensive line in the league, but on paper, the pedigree, best. I mean, it is what it is. You might agree. You might disagree. And also, you see Ryan Kerrigan out there. Ryan Kerrigan is out there. They're trying to, you know, lure him in to be part of the organization in some way, shape, or form. What are your thoughts on a potential coaching opportunity for Warren Sapp or even Ryan Carey? I I doubt Warren Sapp. Uh, I, I'm not sure. he's. I think the casual fan doesn't realize how much time is in coaching. Mm-hmm. How much time is coaching on the NFL level. That's when, when I talk to a lot of guys, former players that think about getting into it, they often tell me it's more about like coaching at the local high school level, like right. they're doing some of their time there. It is a lot of work. Uh, so I don't think, I don't think Warren Sapp is it. Warren Sapp's got a little sketchy pass when it comes <laughs> to being handsy with the ladies. Right. So like I'm not sure this organization can really afford to do anything remotely close mm-hmm. to anything that has that kind of life. Right. Um, so I'm not sure about that. I think trying to get Ryan Kerrigan in wherever you can, however you can, mm-hmm. it's good business for the commanders. So, again, I, I, I would assume they are going to try to get him in in some kind of capacity. But right. it's, it, it's it's rarely ever go from having never coached to straight-up position coach. Right. So I would be surprised at that. But if they can come in and get him just as, like, some kind of coaching assistant, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. People yeah, will show up at just to see him, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, man. I get excited seeing Warren Sapp out there, man. Just because the fire that he has, the kind of player that he was. Sometimes it's kind of like in basketball, right? Uh, I'm a big Lakers fan, you know that. And they're talking about Rasheed Wallace coming to the Lakers, helping out um, Anthony Davis, who's okay. been a little soft, who's been underperforming, you know, really because of injury. You get a guy like Warren Sapp, who's similar to Rasheed Wallace, come 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 up in here and. 
smack some people around and say, hey, you know, sometimes you you need that edge. But like you said, maybe he's not the right fit for organization. For and I, and I don't know, you know, again, that's not – I don't know that that has any bearing, but it just feels like – but I'll say this. Deron, Warren Sapp is the comp I've always made to Deron Payne. Mm. If Deron Payne could get it all together and be used as a pass rusher uh, the way Sapp was, mm-hmm. I think – if he hits the ceiling, that's what I've always said. The two that he reminds me most of Ward Sapp. Mm. Ward Sapp was un, was unguardable in his mind. And if he wants to bring some of that juice, I wouldn't be mad about it. Right, right, right. Hey, Ward Sapp was amazing when he played. You can just go back and look at his numbers. I mean, I think he, he might have had maybe a twenty sack season. I'm not sure. But he was that good. He was that good. He had multiple, multiple double-digit uh, sack seasons, and uh, he was a great player. And what's so impressive to me is when I see defensive tackles that can rush the passer like edge guys. Yep. That gets me excited. And we have multiple guys. Deron Payne can rush the passer, but I think he's overlooked by a guy with, you know, like uh, Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen just like, went crazy last year. Yep. Like, literally, he should have been an all-pro. Should have been an all-pro, but, you know, it is yeah. what it is. It's hard to be an all-pro, and I think they need more teams for that all-pro, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, he's phenomenal. So um, let's go ahead and transition to the next topic, which is the home jersey schedule. I do have that pulled up somewhere. But um, what do you think about these jerseys? What is, like, what is your favorite out of, like, the white, the, the burgundy, and the black? Talk to me a little bit about the jerseys. I've been begging for the black ones for years. <laughs> so I'm super pumped about that. We had been told a while ago that, that, that they were going to roll that out during November's Military Appreciation Week. Uh, um, interesting note on the black ones, there is a little bit of urban camo, I think is what they're calling it, which will lead to a new jersey in two years when they're allowed to bust out a new one. Yep. You can only yep. use jerseys, you know this, that have colors that are in another jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. We talked a little bit about this on my show yesterday. My understanding is the gradient that everybody talks about on the white jersey mm-hmm. okay, is something Nike's rolling out called sprint motion or or I, I forget what it is. Basically, though, that gradient in motion will fill into a solid color. Mm. So when the players are moving, it will look like solid burgundy rather than that blended color. So I'm super interested. It's the only one. I think the Rams are going to get one later. But I'm understanding it's Commander's first one to get that gradient um, effect on the numbers. So that's really cool. I love the idea that they're going to mix and match a lot. You notice that they only gave you the schedule for the tops, yep. Yep. not the bottoms. My understanding is they're going to do a bunch of mismatching, which I nice. love. Nice. I think the white jerseys are one of the hottest in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different. It's fresh. Now it does give me some Arizona Cardinals vibe, but it's just it's a it's a it's still a different twist. It's still a different twist. Is I mean, especially for us Washington fans, we haven't had anything like this. You know, I came in on just the regular burgundy and gold, and then we had the color rush yellow jerseys that we never wore in a game. You know what I'm saying? Then we had all these army jerseys. Too, by the way, huh? I would have loved to seen them. Yeah, at least one time on a Thursday night when we always lose. Might as well just lose in style. But, you know, we just never really just had these colors. So here, here's the schedule. 
Week five versus the Titans. I will be ah, I wish this game was in Nashville, but I will be going to a sports bar here in, in uh, Nashville watching the game with my best friend who happens to be a Titans fan. Um, so that's the burgundy. Then uh also week seven versus the Packers, the Burgundy jersey once again, week 15 versus the Giants, the Burgundy jersey, and then week 17 versus the Browns. Ah, Deshaun Watson plays that game potentially. And that's a burgundy jersey as well. The white jerseys, uh, we see preseason game. This is our first taste of the white jersey. This preseason game this Saturday versus the Carolina Panthers. Week one of preseason. Then also week one versus Jacksonville. Week three versus the Eagles. And week 18 versus the Cowboys. We will be sporting that white jersey. And then the black jersey that we all have been waiting for is going to be week nine versus you like that, Kirk Cousins? I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. That's the game that I am so excited to see. Hopefully, I can be there in D.C. I doubt it, but, I mean, it'll be so awesome to be back in DMV for that game. And then Week 12 versus the Falcons, also the black jersey. So what is your thoughts on this uh, uh, schedule about the uniform? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I, I think it's interesting that they decided to go white. Uh, week 18 against the Cowboys. I guess that's to force them to wear the blues that they don't like. Uh, do a whiteout game for that game. I would have thought you'd have liked to rock the house out on week one in a whiteout game and get going yeah. in that fashion. Why they waited till the end, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Now, now, if they're you know battling for a playoff spot, then it's super dope there late in the season like that, right? But if not, then it feels like they held on to it uh, for no reason. Mm-hmm. I like that they, they said they'll open up early with the white jerseys because it's hot. Mm-hmm. It should be cooler for the players. I, yep, I was yep. I, I dig that if they've actually put that kind of thought into you know, <laughs> what they want to wear because that is not – those tiny details feels like a Patriot thing and not a Commander's thing, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> so I dig and appreciate that. Um, yeah, and then – more than anything, I'm just so interested to see how they're going to end up mixing and matching the tops and the bottom. Like, yeah. I'd love to see white tops and black bottoms. I so, want to see white in burgundy. Sure, know? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next thing I wanted to transition to is the first unofficial depth chart. You know, this stuff is really fluff, but it's still good to talk about, you know. On the offense, you know, quarterback, there's no surprises here. You got Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell. I'm seeing some people saying, oh, Sam Howell over Taylor Heineke. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> if something no, does happen, but, Carson Wentz. But I think Sam Howell is good enough to force them to keep three quarterbacks on the final 53. I do Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no. Sam Howell is going to be something. I don't know what he's going to be, but he's going to be something. He's, he's either going to be a guy who can potentially – be a franchise guy for us down the line, or he can be a guy that comes in, learns that system. It could be three years before we see a Sam Howell actually getting some meaningful time. Even if that happens, that's a success. Getting this guy in the fifth round, for him to be part of the team, a guy that you can lean on, you know, to – I think this year you're going to see a lot of Taylor Heineke. God forbid, if, <laughs> if Carson Wentz gets hurt or – if there's a scenario where Carson Wentz gets hurt and the team is playing bad, then yes, you will see a Sam Howell the last four games of the season to kind of see what you have in Sam Howell. It only makes sense, right? Yes. So that means Taylor Heineke's phased out. 
Goodbye, Carson Wentz. Sam Howell is part of the fold, and maybe they draft a guy or bring in a vet or do both. We're hoping that none of that happens. We're hoping that Carson Wentz has a good season. We're hoping that we don't see Taylor Heineke, but if we do, I trust Taylor Heineke enough. Manny, if Sam, Manny, if Sam Howell plays this year, then me and you are going to be scouting Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud by, you know, week 12. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's the truth. Like, then you're talking about, man, we're going to trade our first-round pick this year and our first-round pick next year for C.J. I mean, that's what it's going to be because now if it goes south, all we're giving up is that third-round pick for Carson Wentz. We're going to just bench right. him so that way he doesn't reach – that tr- that uh, that threshold of I think they said seventy something percent um, snaps. So that's that can also mean that hey, we bench the guy <laughs> if he's not playing well. So it was one of those low risk, high reward. People look at the contract that we're giving wins, but I'm looking at the contract that everybody else is giving all these quarterbacks. Exactly, it's a starting quarterback. So you're going to see where the starting quarterback money goes up. It's going to be twenty plus million. There's no more seven million. Anybody who's giving a quarterback seven million, fifteen million, you don't really trust that guy. Oh, the Jameis Winston's of the world. Yeah, that's a little bridge thing. You know, if you're talking about a real solid starting quarterback that you believe in, the starting price is going to be twenty million and up. Especially as the quarterback money goes up, and you start to see more and more quarterbacks with thirty million. 40 million. Yeah, so twenty million is really an insult for a backup. Sometimes, I mean, it's going to get crazy. And, so, and, and Manny, if you had to give up the second round pick next year, that meant Carson Wentz played really well, and you'd be thankful to give it up. Yep, yep, yep. So if here's another scenario: if he plays well, you give up that second round pick. That means I see Carson Wentz at least another year in DC because it now has to be an investment. Now maybe you do a two year yeah. deal. You do a two year well, deal to where well, if, if we if we kick that can down the road, then yeah, because. You're probably looking at more like them giving him some sort of four-year extension or three-year extension so that they can get that first number so low that you can afford to sign guys like Sweat, that like making a, a move to bring in Roquan Smith because you have more flexibility. Mm-hmm. You, you can't even give Curl a contract extension until the year's over. Yep. So yep. that's okay. You can do that. So and actually giving you know giving the, the a, a deal after this year with a couple years behind it. Gives them more cap flexibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he said Fitz was ten million, and look what he did. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it happens, man. And look, were, I can tell you this, Manny, and you know this: they were excited about Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah. And nationally, guys were excited. Yeah, about I was him. excited. I mean, everybody was excited because of the potential of what Fitz can do, which was push the ball down the field, and that's what. Taylor Heineke can do. He's a gamer. Like I said, I can trust Taylor Heineke for a game or two to win those games so to come in and be a super sub. That's what he is. You know what they call guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? Gamers. Yeah, yeah. And then when you do try to get guys like Russell Wilson, he's like, look, the organization is not set. Had we had Jahan Dotson and maybe some other pieces here and there, maybe you you bring in a Jahan Dotson, right, and then you bring in a, a Zach Ertz, and then you say, hey, Russell, Look at what we have in place. Then Russell's like, okay, Terry McLaurin, a promising first-round rookie wide receiver. Okay, Zach Ertz, who's still a top five to seven tight end, went healthy, right? Then Russell's like, okay, I got something to work with here. Okay, Brian Robinson uh, Jr., uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, decent offensive line. Then it's more attractive. But at the time when we pursued a Russell Wilson, what did we really have? 
We had Terry and Logan Thomas who's hurt. We didn't have anything. You know, front office, this, that. So, of course, Russell Wilson I mean, would want to go. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, sorry, I think I was yeah. breaking up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in what terms, I'm saying is, though, Russell, it wasn't about the to me with Russell. It wasn't about the roster. I, I think that had to do more with ownership because mm-hmm. really, Jahan Dotson and Brian Robertson is the reasons you could convince a top five quarterback to come. I don't think those guys were the reasons. Uh, I think that had to do more with Dan. Or maybe not being in Virginia. Maybe you just love being out on the West Coast. Right, maybe. But also, if I'm a quarterback, I'd rather throw the ball to Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and KJ Hamler than at the time, I'm looking at just Terry, you know? And then I don't know what else. But then, you know, when you're a great player and you do go somewhere, you do have the power to help bring in other guys. Maybe he comes here and then a guy like OBJ says, hey, I want to come here when I get healthy or, you know, you get some of these other receivers, like even like a Will Fuller. But what I'm saying is looking at the roster, I know it's just not roster. The roster wasn't good at that time. You know, we try to pursue other quarterbacks. Denver has a solid history, solid GM, solid coaching, solid everything. And they were more so more quarterback away than us. So it's like all that put together. And then, of course, Whatever the wifey wants. The wifey says, I want to live in Denver. I don't want to live in D.C. Most likely. So all these things factor in. Uh, we tried. It's not like we weren't trying. We tried for several quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford. We tried. But, you know, we ended up with Carson Wentz. I do like uh, um, that we ended up with Carson Wentz because it could have been Trubisky. And they're saying that Trubisky might get beat out. You know, you're, guys wanted Tyrod Taylor. You know, and look where Tyrod Taylor is. I mean, you look at all the options outside of Jameis Winston, who's who could be okay. You know, if let's say that team gels with Olave and Michael Thomas is healthy and Kamara, and you know, you still got that good coaching and that good defense, Jameis Winston could possibly do well over there. You know, if he gets the interception thing down and his eyes is right and all that. So the options weren't really there. Options weren't really there. Um, so let's go ahead and transition to the wide receiving uh, uh, group. You have Terry. As a wide receiver one, you have Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson. Oh, my gosh. I'm so surprised. I'm so shocked. <laughs> I'm so shocked. But that next wave, obviously, you have Dayami Brown, you have Dax Mill, and you have Cam Sims. Are these the six wide receivers you see making a team as the top six wide receivers? Or do you see somebody else not making it either Dax Mill or Cam Sims? No, I think you're right on that. Um, Cam Sims makes it. He's a special teamer. Dax Milne, I think, ends up being the punt returner. Uh, and Diami Brown was a third-round pick last year that I know for a fact they were super high on. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what will be interesting is to see who makes, who actually dresses on game day. Because uh, I assume Diami Brown, but then when talking with Ethan Cutto from uh, NBC Sports Washington yesterday, he says, well, here's the thing about Diami. As much as they like him, he doesn't give you any special teams at all. So Dax Milne, if he ends up being the punt return, has got to make the team yep. and got to dress out on game day. Yep. And Cam Sims has been a standout on special teams for three years. So where does that leave Diami Brown? I think he makes the 53, but it's hard to see him dressing. And if a third-round pick can't dress, 
What is he supposed to produce for you? Tough. That's true. That's Tommy true. Brown to me is this year. Guy they're really high on, but how does he get into the mix? Yeah, it, 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 I think he's going to be one of those guys that's like a specialty guy. Even when he does dress, you know, he's – for right now, we just know that he goes deep. <laughs> and even when he went deep, he didn't right. do a great job of it because when they have a quarterback – that could do that. So just dressing him just to go deep, <laughs> that's that's a tall order. But then, you know, obviously injuries happen. We do have a guy named Curtis Samuel, which we don't even know. I don't even know who Curtis Samuel is, to be honest. I say this on every show. I don't know who Curtis Samuel is. Uh, I don't know what he can bring to the table because I have not seen him. I haven't seen him until I see him healthy. <laughs> then I, I can kind of tell you who Curtis Samuel is. As of right now, I don't know who he is. When you look at the left tackle position, you have Charles Leno. And Cornelius Lucas. Those are our top two guys. Um, when you look at the right tackle position, you have Samuel Cosme and Sadiq Charles. Does Sadiq Charles scare you as a right tackle? Or is everything going to be okay? Yes. No, no. The, well, the depth there concerns me. But I think if we were actually looking at the final 53, Sam, yeah. uh, Sadiq doesn't dress. And it would be Cornelius Lucas that had to, would get in there at right tackle. So that's one of these things. To me, and I'm jumping ahead on you just a little bit, the big thing to me for the offensive line, they've still got Trey Turner as the starting right guard, even though he hasn't been able to take a snap in the preseason because of the quad uh, injury. Mm -hmm. I personally would prefer Schweitzer anyway. They went out and got Trey Turner, so it was kind of obvious where that was heading. That, to me, is the biggest surprise, though, particularly since he hasn't taken a snap yet. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, that's pedigree, you know, former pro bowler, when healthy, he's a really good guard. And, yep. you know, he's a one-year deal, $3 million, not bad. I really love what we did with the guard positions this year. I think Swiss Swicer is just your ultimate swing inside, you know, I don't know what to call him. He's just a player because he yeah. can play center. We saw it. He can play left guard. He can play right guard. He's your ultimate sub. Him and Cornelius Lucas are so important to this team because they're going to need these guys swinging left and right. You know what I'm saying? Based off of injury, depth. And I think with Cornelius Lucas and uh, Wes Schweitzer, it really makes us literally a top seven offensive line in the league. I don't know a lot about, I don't know a lot about offensive line. I just know a lot about the Washington Commanders offensive line. And knowing that Masco gets the best out of his guys, yeah, we get some, you know, some vets in Trey Turner and you know a guy in uh, in uh, Andrew, and I think we can really do some things. Now, I want to ask you about the rookie Chris Paul. Chris Paul, fellow Nigerian, shout out to Chris Paul, the real Chris Paul. He, until I see preseason, I want to know what kind of player is Chris Paul, being a seventh rounder, being a big guy. He's a big boy. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. I think he makes a team, but I'm really intrigued to see what he can do because, honestly, Chris Paul could potentially end up being more valuable than Sadiq Charles. The team loves Sadiq Charles, but his time is running out. Sadiq Charles is, what, heading into year three? So this uh, is making four, maybe. Maybe, maybe four. And if it's four? I will not be surprised if Sadiq Charles does not make the team. I will not be surprised because you have a lot of hungry guys. Like I said, John Masco likes to get the best out of his guys. These guys are going to compete. And you're going to see some of these other guys. Like, I'm not familiar with some of these other back-end names like Willie Beavers and Deion Calhoun. 
you're going to see one of these guys come out of nowhere and steal somebody's job. So being a seventh rounder, yes, he has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he got drafted. You have all these other undrafted guys, all these, you know, other guys that are coming in to compete. But I think that Chris Paul could possibly make this team and if not have an impact. What do you like? What do you see? Uh, I think he can. I haven't been out there to see it. Uh, I'll go by what Matthew Parrish from the Washington Times wrote recently. He thought he looked good. The organization is high on him, excited about what he can become. You pointed out, I think you, I think you said super raw. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's exactly what he is. He needs time to develop. Uh, the curious case of Sadiq Charles, right? I mean, to me, Sadiq's the bigger story than Paul is. Um, you kind of knew what to expect with Paul. He was a project with humongous size, has great athleticism. I think he's another one of these guys that tested up in like the top 15 spark scores. Uh, to me, this says more about Sadiq Charles than it does about Paul. I, I, I'm curious where he's at in his development. Yeah. I put up my banner in this. Fourth or fifth round? Sorry about that. I said I put up my banner. And it said uh back row Redskins show. Oops, we're now in the back row commander show. <laughs> so I had to change that real quick. But um as we look at the tight end position, it's intriguing at the same time, kind of scary. You have Logan Thomas who's on the pub list right now, but for you know, this list you have to list him as a starter. You have John Bates who's dealt with some injuries, you have Cole Turner de- dealing with some injuries, you have Simmons Reyes, who we don't know if he makes a team or not, but we do know that he's a pretty good blocker. And he had, I mean, they did keep him last year to keep four tight ends and to keep Simmons Reyes. That means you saw something in Simmons Reyes. If Simmons Reyes hits the practice squad, somebody is definitely going to take their chance on Simmons Reyes. Also, the team has made uh, guys like Curtis Hodges and um, and Armani Rodgers, um, they've made it known, hey, we like these guys. We're interested in these guys. These guys have potential. So have you really heard anything out of camp in terms of the, in terms of the tight end room? One thing I can say is the tight end room is very young. Outside of Logan Thomas, it's just a bunch of kids, a bunch of kids. And very it's good. Cool. And very tall. <laughs> You're talking six eight guy, uh, six seven guy, six six guy, six four, six five. It's a big group. It's a big group. And John Bates is possibly the smallest guy at six at six four. <laughs> That's right. You know. Man, so me, this, this is to me, man. This is the biggest boomer bust position group on the mm-hmm. team. Yep. Particularly since we don't know about Logan Thomas, it sounds like maybe he'll be ready to go week one. Or maybe you know, or or they think he's ready by week two, so he's not a pup list candidate type guy uh, because of the required games he'd have to miss. I maybe am higher than John Bates than a lot mm-hmm. of people. I think he's more than just a blocker. I think he's got great hands. I remember in that draft, Mel Kiper said, and we talked about this. Mel Kiper said he had the best hands of any uh, receiver in the in the class, not named Kyle Pitts. Yep. Uh, and I'll take Kuiper at his word on that. So, and then the, they do nothing but rave about Cole Turner and his catch radius. And former tight end Logan Paulson told me that he thought Curtis Hodges had the most upside of the entire group. Yep. Uh, super route, route runner out of uh, Arizona State, I believe, six mm-hmm. eight. Uh, so. Listen, I, I think it's interesting. Last year they had the luxury of a space where they could stash Thomas Reyes, and I'm with you. I think they like him. 
He's got humongous size and potential. Yep. But they had the spot last year. Does is he able to make it, or does a guy like uh, Curtis Hodges or, or this guy uh, Amani Rogers that everybody's talking about apparently is flashed? So, yep. to me, interesting room. <laughs> I, I like to use that twelve and thirteen personnel with those guys out on the field. Uh, is this the year they finally can do it? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and we know that Carson Wentz loves the tight ends. He loves to throw the ball high anyways, right? So give him some big targets. Yeah, give him some big targets, and I think you're going to see an improved red zone offense. When you're tossing the Camp Sims and when you're tossing a guy, even a guy like Jahan Dotson who plays like a big receiver, you know, big hands, strong hands, he snatches everything, acrobatic catches, very athletic. So I saw a post. uh, Somebody posted it. Kevin Shaheen, he said, Jahan Dotson is the best wide receiver on the team currently. That's crazy. That's insane. But do you remember when we always wanted another wide receiver on the team, whether it was C.D. Lamb, whether it was, you know, this guy or that guy? Even if they had the potential to be better than Terry McLaurin, it wasn't a bad thing necessarily. You know, if a receiver is better than Terry McLaurin, then that's good. That means you got two really good wide receivers. For you to be better than Terry McLaurin, that means you got to be a really good wide receiver. So even if he is better, we haven't seen him play. If he is better, then guess what? It's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fun season. (laughs) What are your thoughts on this comment? I think it's funny, but at the same time, I'm hoping it's true. (laughs) Thoughts? Kevin Sheehan is my guy. We've had him on the show numerous times. And, listen, he's connected, just connected as anybody. I think the actual comment was Kevin says – there are a handful of people in the building that believe Yahad Dodson is better than Terry McLaurin. I don't know if that's true. You don't know if that's true. Kev doesn't know if that's true. But to your point, if he is, that's a good thing. We shouldn't be arguing whether it is or not. We should be hoping that that's true. Right. 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 We should be praying, yes, be better than Terry. George Perkins was my preference there. Me too. But I'm not going to be mad. Right, and turns out to be better than Warren. That, that again, right. that would be great. I mean, we talked about it. I also think at this point, man, he always got to do is be better than Samuels. Yeah, yeah, got to be better than Samuels. And um, on the last episode, I talked about a segment that I'll be doing all through the year called the Olave versus Jahan Dotson versus Jamison Williams. I'm going to monitor that very closely every single week, starting with this first preseason game. I'm going to be analyzing these three guys. It's not that I'm, like, salty, because I did like Jahan Dotson. I, I really liked Olave, maybe not at 11. <laughs> you know, I wanted to trade back and draft Olave, but, you know, things happen the way that, that, it, that it happened. I think that Jahan Dotson has the potential to be better than, than Olave, to be honest. He's bigger, stronger, jumps higher. Olave does get separation. So does Jahan Dotson. So they're very similar but the difference is uh, Jahan Dotson, man, the, the guy, he has some OBJ in his game. I see that kind of tenacity. You throw it up, I'm going to go get it. I see like that go-getter type mentality. Um, maybe a smaller Antonio Brown type kind of guy. That's what I see. Will he become those guys? I don't know. I don't know anything. That's why I'm just a fan. It's just me being a fan analyst, <laughs> just talking. And, you know, so that's just kind of what I saw. I thought it was funny. Also, since we're on wide receivers, here's an interesting fact. Terry McLaurin needs 1,060 yards this year 
to be um, the like the first player within the uh, or well to be a player within the first four seasons to have the most yards. He will have more yards than Gary Clark. So if he gets a thousand and sixty yards this year, he will have more yards than Gary Clark through four seasons. And I think he's going to do that over under Terry McLaurin, one thousand and sixty yards. I'll take the over. <laughs> I'll take the over. Over, uh, and I think easily. And, and don't forget, they've got the seventeenth game. Yep, they got. Yep, yep. So with the seventeenth game, better quarterback, better quarterback. I mean, I'm looking at at least eleven hundred yards. At least eleven hundred yards. That's what I'm I'm looking at. And I think Terry Carson comes out. Carson averages over four thousand yards a season, right? Yep. Yep. So yep. I'll, I'll bet the over on that one easily. <laughs> yeah, I bet the over as well. Uh, just a few more positions. Uh, let's go ahead and hit uh, the running back position and a few of the defensive spots, and then we'll go ahead and end the uh, end the episode. So you have Antonio Gibson, and then you have the Brian Robinson. Me and you have talked about this, and you know, several times just through chats and even on the show. Antonio Gibson fumble issues. He had some injury issues last year. You got J.D. McKissick being a third down back guy that can catch the ball. You have Brian Robinson, a guy that can run through the tackle. So it's looking like a three-headed monster. We might keep a fourth guy in, in between Jonathan Williams and Jared Patterson. Jared Patterson is not a lot to make this, this team unless he solidifies himself as the kickoff returner. That's a way that I think that Jared Patterson can make the team. What are your thoughts on the running back uh, group? I think it's going to be hard for Jared Patterson. Um, I, I, I hate that for him because uh, he's a local guy that really was pretty good last year. I I don't think I don't think drafting Brian Robinson had anything to do with Antonio Gibson's fumbling problem or his propensity for being injured. I, I won't say hurt because guys that are hurt miss games, right? And, and he posted almost every game last year, if not every game. I, I wonder if the Brian Robinson contract has more drafting, has more to do with the fact that this regime isn't giving out second contracts to running backs. You know what I mean? Which, which by the way, in my mind, is a good thing. You should right, not right, be giving right. out second contracts to running backs. Right, right. So, I mean, <laughs> I think that's more of what this is, right? I still think right. Gibson is like – this doesn't scare me in redraft mm -hmm. or taking on, on a fantasy team. It would say dynasty because I don't think he'll be here in two years. Right. And I think it'd be Robinson. They'll probably draft a running back next year. I mean, of course. Good, good offensive teams draft a running back and a wide receiver every year. Exactly. My rule for running backs is draft one every two years. My rule for wide receivers is draft one every single year. Just because you never know. You never know. You always need the talent. You saw Gandy Golden. That didn't work out. You, 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 I mean, it's like, oh, fourth round. And then next year, third round in Deami Brown. The next year, it's like, look, man, we need a real wide receiver. You go ahead and invest in that position and get uh, Jahan Dotson. Hopefully, we have hit on Jahan Dotson. Uh, what's good, Steve? Appreciate you hopping on the stream. Uh, Dave also said, does Monk hold that record? I'm not sure. I'm yeah, asking. I know, you. I know Monks is the all time right, but I, I think Gary has the record for what you're talking about, okay. Manny, which is the that four year window, first yeah. contract. Or wouldn't be first contract window because he just signed one, but technically, this yeah. is still the last year of his first contract, right? They just yep. gave him an extension. Right, right. I think I could be wrong, though. But 
Either way, Terry is on his way to, to, to do some great things uh, for the squads. I'm excited about that. So let's look at the defense quickly, and then we'll go ahead and end the stream. Um, obviously, we know our you know defensive line is stacked. But my question for you is, outside of Chase and Montez, was Chase possibly missing some games? David Bada, Efe Obada, <laughs> for Darian Mathis. Out of these three guys, who do you see having an impact? And even James Smith-Williams. Well, I've been a James Smith-Williams stand ever since he drafted him out of NC State. He's a little banged up right now. But, again, that was like a top-five spark guy mm -hmm. um, for athleticism. Uh, I, listen, I think I know what Phil's capable of. Um, the, the two foreign guys are still a little bit intriguing. The guy mm -hmm. they brought, uh, I think Obata is the one from Carolina, right? I know they're excited about him. The interesting thing, Manny, is I asked basically the same question to Ethan <laughs> yesterday, who's been at camp uh, for NBC, and I said, who's making the most of the reps being left out from Chase Young? Mm -hmm. And he said Casey Tuhill mm -hmm. is the guy that has really been shining and taking advantage of all the reps that uh, Chase Young has left behind. Uh, so I'll, I haven't been there. So I, yeah. I'll take his word on it. And, and again, James Smith Williams been out for a couple of uh, last week at least mm -hmm. uh, with the hammy. Right. So I, I'm interested about the foreign guys. Right. I think that Mathis is what they wanted mm -hmm. at that D tackle spot. Again, it's like when we open this show, we're talking a little bit about Sam Mills. Right. Yeah, I think there was probably some personality conflicts, yep. Yep. but I don't think he's the reason that either of those tackles, Ionitis or Settle, didn't come back. Mm -hmm. I think they just didn't do what they wanted from that particular position. Right, right. And he still does that. He's in there clogging up lanes <laughs> in the run in the run spot. And, and, Manny, what I'll be most curious about is we keep hearing more and more about this five-man front that they're using, which oh. I had shark attack defense last year. Yeah. I love this one. And with Phil in there, may very well allow Allen to kick out to the five technique and do some little yep. DN rushing, which I yep. think is incredible. Yep. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And I think philosophy issues is part of the reason why Sam Mills is gone. Which is not a bad thing. Something had to change. Something had to change. And, you know, Jack Del Rio could be a guy, God forbid, that gets fired midseason if this defense is not performing. Like, I'm tired of, like, this defense being mediocre with all that we've invested into it. You know what I'm saying? We could have possibly drafted another defensive guy this year. We almost did. We almost drafted that safety, Kyle Hamilton. And I'm kind of glad we went off it because we've invested too much in this defense for them to be where they are. Last thing I'm going to say, then I'm going to give you your last thoughts. My last thoughts is – Percy Butler, I'm liking, and I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing out of, you know, camp. This guy could possibly be another one of those Buffalo nickel roll type guys, as long, also including Benjamin St. Juice. I talked about that on the last episode. But, yeah, Percy Butler, they said a the guy can hit. I think he hit Cole Turner or somebody, and the guy was out in the next play. So Percy Butler just brings that speed. He's going to be a special teams guy, but he's a guy that you can possibly put in there that can actually, you know, possibly be a potential performer for us this year as a rookie. So I'm excited to see Percy Butler in uh, a preseason. Another guy, Derek Force, coming into year two. Danny Johnson has been solid. So what are your final thoughts on the roster? And we'll go ahead and close out the show. 
Well, I think you look at these shows the same way I do. I try to get guys on, people on that cover this stuff, and and hopefully know more than I do because I'm just trying to learn like everybody else. So I'll say this about the safeties. We had Adam and Eva on last week who studies these guys better than anybody. It mm-hmm. sounds like, and you can see it here on the depth chart, sounds like Percy Butler is more of the free safety rover guy the deep safety that everybody talks about. It sounds like if it's not when when safe juice is not in as the traditional nickel, if they're mm-hmm. trying to get a heavier body in there, then it would be Forrest as the guy down there in that Buffalo nickel. But I'll say this. Apparently, St. Juice has put on five pounds. And so you're looking at a kid that's like 6'3", 225. Yep. Right? Yep. I mean, he is bigger than your average corner. So – that's I think he spends a lot of time as I tweeted earlier with the picture. I know you saw it. Um, he's going to spend a lot of time in that nickel, and whether you, whether you call it the Buffalo nickel, who by the way in Carolina they use a linebacker in that spot, uh, whether it was Cam Curl that got pushed down there two years ago just so they could get him on the field, whether it's Derek Forrest, who I know they're very excited about right, in his right. second year. I, I think we get too worked up about this Buffalo nickel. Let's just call it nickel, right? Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's more of it. I mean, yeah. We get worked up in this Buffalo nickel, and some teams mm-hmm. call it white or, or money right. back. I think St. Juice is big enough that he can play it, whatever it's called. Yep, yep. The, like the goal is with that role is to disguise. You don't need three safeties. You don't need three linebackers. You don't need an extra slot. You don't need a big nickel. You don't need a big guy. It, all you need is a guy that can fill that role. And the goal is whoever is playing that Buffalo nickel role, Ron Rivera wants it to be versatile. Not just one guy, not a safety. Like you said, if we brought in a Roquan Smith type guy, it can be a linebacker, right? It can be a Khalid Hutz. It can be whoever he fit. That, 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 that tweet that, on the picture earlier was a direct quote from uh, – uh, you know that that's how I see it. You know they they are relying on him because of his versatility, just as you said. Yep. yep. I mean, I love it. Like you plug in a guy, and you like, is this guy playing safety? Is he playing corner? He looks like a corner. He's playing linebacker. Like, what's going on? Are they? Is it five defensive backs? Is it three? And that's what it's supposed to create. It's pretty much having a Micah Fitzpatrick, but we don't have Micah Fitzpatrick, so we got to get Micah Fitzpatrick in three different players. So sometimes you're going to see different guys playing that role. Man, what an awesome show, Doug. Thank you so much for hopping on the show. Thank you, Dave Rob, for all the comments. And everybody else who tuned in, please like, please subscribe to the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. And also please subscribe and leave me a rating on Apple at the Back Row Commanders Show. Doug. Where can the people find you one more time? Uh, they can find me. At, it's at the Big Douglas Show. Uh, we're everywhere you, you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube. Uh, the shows are every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday, we'll do a reaction to the game. Wednesday, I always have somebody from the uh, opposing teams. So we can get to know them a little bit and what to look for. Friday, we try to get a beat reporter on from the local guys and, and talk it out. Uh, and for those that watch today, I speak for Manny and for myself, one of the big reasons we do this is to get the interaction with everybody else. So I'm, I'm always excited to see all the people that come into the chat. Um, I had a bunch of people in today, and, and that's really what it's all about. So, Absolutely. Manny, thanks for having me on, man. This was great. 
man, the GOAT, Big Doug. Long time coming. I'm glad he was able to come on the show today. So, guys, please like, please subscribe, please share, and we will catch you guys on that next episode. We are out. Peace. <laughs>